my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the world changing before our very eyes. And of course, I try to bring to you each and every week, you know, some of the latest breaking news, some education to change the way you think about things and some exciting guests. So you don't just have to hear from me all the time. It's important to get different perspectives. And I want to talk about some of the latest breaking news this week that's driving not just the markets. And the reason why I like to look at this through the lens of politics, finance, and technology is you you really can't separate the three. You can't separate the three. Politics and economics are tied to each other. Um, the The drivers of the economy, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be this way. Uh, I don't want it to be this way. I want it to end, but it is what it is. Um, in with investing, the saying is that uh, you don't invest in the markets as you think they should be, as you want them to be, but rather as they are. I'm on a mission to separate money and money in the state. The state should not be using money for politics. Money is money. That's uh, that's that's my life energy. I save that. But unfortunately, we're in a very political environment, um, and today. 
Uh, I didn't want to get into this rant, but I'll talk about it for a second. Uh, today, uh, here we are facing uh, midterm elections next week, and you have politicians out there basically trying to buy votes. So they have their own agendas. Uh, there's all types of measures and things that they want to put through rules, regulations that are on their own agenda. But at the same time, they're also buying votes. So, for example, um, the F- Student Forgiveness Act or whatever they're calling it. Um, it's a way to buy votes. Every time they hand out some sort of a favor or some type of money, that's a way to buy votes. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, red or blue, left or right, doesn't matter. No politician will ever get elected promising to repeal that or take money away from you. And the problem is, is that it creates massive problems in our world, in our economy. You cannot create money from thin air. You can't just print money. You can't just create money from thin air and give it to people because all you do is create more problems. They printed because the government cannot stay within their means because they're constantly spending more than they bring in through tax revenues then they are constantly spending deficit spending, as it's called. You hear every year we have to raise the debt ceiling again. They have to take more and more debt. And so they're literally paying for your college or for your house or now to subsidize your electricity bill, your gas bill, or for whatever, fill in the blank. And they're doing that by taking on more debt. When they take on more debt, it expands the monetary system. When they expand the monetary system, it causes inflation. What inflation really is, is debasement. Your dollars buy less and less goods. The reason why everything gets more expensive is because the existing dollars in in existence buy less and less goods. So it's great that they're trying to do nice things. It's great that they're helping people out through difficult times. It's great that um, they're offsetting people's crazy electric bills or gas bills. They need that help. We need to help people. But why are the gas bills and electricity bills so expensive? Oh, that's because it's the government, because they printed so much money. So it gets into this doom loop where they expand the monetary base. It debases the currency, which means the prices of goods and services are more expensive. And now, because things have gotten so expensive, they have to help people with those expenses. Now, uh, they do that through creating more money, which then makes the goods and services even more expensive. Then they have to help them even more, so they have to print even more money. It's a very, very dangerous situation, and we could sit here for days or weeks or months talking about all the ways it destroys our society today. Let's just take our health, for example. The number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. And that heart disease is being caused by what you eat, the garbage you eat. And that is because of the monetary system that we have today. That, that, that's, probably scratch, that's probably drawn from some crazy straws, right? Mark, where are you, what, what are you talking about? You're saying that the, the monetary system is cause of, of heart disease? Yes, I am. And the reason why is because... As they continue to create so much money, it can it debases the money, makes your dollars buy less and less, which then means the price of goods goes up. Now, if you make food, you try you have to deal with all the price of your inputs going up. My grain went up, my processing went up, my delivery, everything went up. And so in order in order to offset all the price of everything going up, me as a business, I have to figure out how to make things cheaper. 
In order to make things cheaper, I then sub out good quality stuff for cheaper quality stuff. Instead of using real sugar, I'll use any of the other hundred variations of sugar today, which are all worse for you. Instead of using real butter or lard or fat, I'm going to use all these seed oils. And I'm doing that to offset the inflation that's being caused by the debasement of the monetary system. And voila, now we've made all this horrible food that is now killing people, literally. So... Yes, it breaks down society. How else does it break down society? Well, what's the number one cause of divorce? Money problems. So because the cost of goods are going up so fast, I can't keep my head above water. My wife and I are constantly fighting over money. We get divorced. Or because 50 years ago, it would just take one person in the household to work and you could achieve the American dream. You could own a house, you could own a car, etc. You could have kids, the whole thing. Now, Two parents have to work in the household. So that means now they're both working and in relationships. You either grow together, you grow apart. And so now people are working in separate uh, fields. The kids aren't being attended to. The household's not being attended to. You still can't keep your head above water. You can't take vacations. You grow apart, you fight, and then you get divorced. Now we have, you know, uh, kids growing up in one parent households all over the country. The numbers are going through the roof, and it all goes back to the monetary system because the government prints too much money. Now, the reason why I say this is because here we are going into this election cycle, and knowing how bad this is, knowing how it destroys the very fabric of our society, it ruins our health, knowing that we should try to get back off of that somehow. We should probably try to get back closer to a budget. But the problem is when you're overspending all this deficit spending, and now you need to spend less to get back on under a budget, that means you have to cut something. Unfortunately, some spending is going to have to get cut. But what? Which spending gets cut? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which spending it is. Someone's going to be unhappy about it. And so which politician is ever going to come into power saying, we're going to cut spending? None. No one's ever going to vote for that. The only way you vote for them is if they promise to give you more money. Like, well, let's just forgive all the student loan. It sounds great. Sure, let's vote for it. But at what cost? At the cost of expanding the debt, expand the monetary system, or debasing the monetary system, or more inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act is a perfect example of it. They name it the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce inflation. But how? By printing a bunch of more money, which is the problem that caused it in the first place? You see the insanity here. And so here we are, um, like I said, going into the midterm elections, not talking about which side of the aisle. In my opinion, both sides want to print more money, both sides. Maybe the Republicans want to spend a little bit less than the Democrats do, or maybe they just want to spend it in different places. In that regard, when it comes to monetary policy, they're both as bad. They both want to spend more money. Obama spent more than any president before him. Trump spent more than any president before him. And Biden spent more money than any president before him as well. And that's the root of our problem. I got a lot more to cover when it comes to breaking news. I kind of went off on a tangent right there. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, how the world is changing 
through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I want to get into the technology piece and what's going on with that this week, specifically with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'll be back with that and more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I don't like to talk about politics for politics' sake, but where politics 
and finance and technology converge. That's very interesting. And of course, they get more and more intertwined every day. This week, we saw the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, the most powerful central bank in the world, the head of that central bank, Jerome Powell, came out and talked to the people with the FOMC meeting this week, the insanity that we all sit around waiting for a banker to come out and tell us what fate we have. Will your retirement account crash or will it hold stable? Will your house that you live in with your family, will it drop by 50% or will it go up in value? Will your business be able to stay in business because you have customers and you can afford your debt or will your business go out of business? Your entire life is in the balance of what Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve decides to say. The insanity of that should just infuriate you. It infuriates me. But it's the world that we live in and we have to deal with it. And so they met this week and Jerome Powell basically said, um, it's not looking good for you, buddy. Sorry to tell you. But we have to make you broke in order to save you. That's what he's saying. It's not, that, that's not the exact words that he said. Um, but they came out, they raised interest rates some more, another 0.75 percentage points um, onto the Fed funds rate, which is the price of money. Most people don't think about it, but you buy money. If I want to get a house, it's $100,000. I don't have $100,000. I need to go buy the money. I have to buy the $100,000 for the house. The cost of buying that $100,000 is the interest rate I pay. And the Fed sets that interest rate, and they've raised it now another 0.75 percentage points, or what we call 75 basis points. And as they continue to do that, as they continue to bring the price of money up, it continues to bring the stock and asset prices down. Now, it's important to kind of understand what's going on here a little bit because they hate you. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but I actually kind of mean it. And what do I mean by that? They are trying to bring down inflation. The, the, they're trying to bring down the rate at which goods and services are going higher. Now, there's two ways to bring prices down, right? Add supply or crush demand. And uh, they, you know, they can't print more money. I mean, they can't print more oil or more food. So all they can do is crush demand. And that's what their goal is. They're trying to crush demand. So we know this, they've said it over and over and over. And you having a job, you having a job that pays you more money to keep up with the price of goods going up in services is in direct conflict with what they want. That's a problem for them. They want unemployment to go up. They want less people working and they want more people working for lower wages. Because if your employer has to pay you more money, then your employer has to charge more money for their goods and services, which pushes inflation up. They want to crush the economy. They want to make you poor to offset the bad decisions that they've made. So he came out this week. He said uh, a couple things. There was three things that he said that, that kind of got my attention. He said that, one, it's very premature to think about a pause in our interest rate hiking cycle. So, hey, uh, we're going to keep raising rates. I know that the whole world's about to crash. I know your, your retirement account and your house is getting hammered. I know that two-thirds of uh, businesses aren't able to keep up with their rent payments. I know that. But 
We need to keep doing more. We need to cause a recession because if we make everybody broke, then they'll stop driving as much. They'll stop going out to eat as much. They'll stop taking as many vacations. And if they stop doing all those things because they're so broke, then eventually the prices come back down. Congratulations. We brought the price of goods and services down by making you broke. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, the second thing he said here, hire for longer. So everyone's waiting. When will the Fed get off of this? Uh, when will they pivot? And he says, we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep at it. But here's the other thing. This thing, this is what actually got me here. He said that, quote, prudent risk management suggests the risks of doing too little are higher than doing too much. So he said, if we were to over tighten, then we could use our tools later to support the economy. So what he's saying is they're not worried about breaking the economy, crashing your business, putting you out of business losing your job. They're not worried about that. They'd rather do that because they'll just, they could just fix it later. Now that's cool for them. What about for you? Is that cool for you? If you lose your job, you lose your house, your retirement drops by 50%. Is that cool for you? It's not cool for me. Now, one bright spot is Bitcoin. It seems like with all this bad news after that announcement, uh, the price of stocks crashed. Um, but Bitcoin seems to be holding on like a boss, man. It's like it's found this level. It's been here for a couple of months. It's right at this $20,000 level. And it seems that it's finally starting to break apart from the stock market. So uh, Bitcoin has been trading like a, like a NASDAQ stock, like a tech stock. It has correlation. It's called a tight correlation. What we've seen is that it's been closely correlated with tech stocks for much of 2022. But now it's breaking. As a matter of fact, in the last 30 days, um, the correlation with the NASDAQ has slid to 0.26, which is the lowest we've seen since January. Now, a measure of one says they're moving perfectly in lockstep. So we're at 0.26, which is very low. Um, so it's looking good. Now, it was at 0.96 in May, um, but now it's breaking apart. So as the Fed continues to get more hawkish, as we've seen earnings come out this week where Meta, Facebook, got completely smashed, Amazon got completely smashed, down 20% or more, Bitcoin's held on. Bitcoin hasn't gone down. As a matter of fact, Bitcoin has gone up a little bit, and the, and the correlation with stocks is really breaking out. And what we've seen is that Bitcoin continues to overperform. We saw this week um, lots of news coming out uh, with Bitcoin. One of the things we saw this week is that if we look at the transaction volume, the Bitcoin annual transfer volume, and we compare it to like another payment network like Visa or like MasterCard, how much are they transferring? What's their payment volume? And what we can see is that the payment volume for Bitcoin is going through the roof. And to put this into kind of some numbers, between 2017, 18, 19, and 20, for four years there, it was in the two um, trillion dollar range per year, 2.1, 2.7, 2.3, well, 2019 dropped to 1.9, but it was in the $2 trillion range for four years in a row. 2021, 13 trillion, 2022 year to date, 14 trillion. So for four years in a row, 2 trillion, 2 trillion, 2 trillion. And then it went to 13 trillion from two to 13 last year, this year, 14 trillion year to date, probably end up over 15 trillion by the time the year is done. And so we're seeing it uh, hold up when the markets are crashing. We're seeing it become uncorrelated and we're seeing the network grow. 
That's massively bullish. It's good news in a time when the entire market is bearish. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And we're talking about Bitcoin right now and how it's doing. How's Bitcoin doing at a time when the market's crashing? We'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the technology piece. We were talking about the politics side, the financial side, the, the technology side. We talk about them all. And of course, uh, we were talking about the Fed over-tightening and what they're doing to the markets and how Bitcoin seems to be holding up pretty well in the face of that adversity. Now, um, we talked about how the, the annual transfer volume has been going up. Some other things that we can see is 
because Bitcoin is so much different than any other asset that we've ever seen in the history of the world, one of those things that gives it a difference is um, the, the, the visibility, the transparency. And so everything that sits on the Bitcoin blockchain is transparent. We can see it. We can see where the coins are, when they move, things like that. What we can see is that we can see um, at which price were the coins moved last. So for example, if I bought Bitcoin today at $20,000, I transferred it to my cold storage and it sat there for whatever, the next 10 years, then through on-chain data, we could see that this Bitcoin moved to this wallet um, at this price at 20,000 and it sat there for 10 years at $20,000. Now it's, it's uh, the Bitcoin network is not private because we can see this. It's transparent. It's not private, but it's anonymous. So what does that mean? It's it's not private. We can see the the Bitcoin moving on the blockchain when it moved to that last address, but it's private. We don't know who owns that address, right? So it's a little bit different there. But what we can see when we look at this data is we can see that um, we can see we can see how long the Bitcoin have sat there at which price point. And what we can see um, when looking at a chart right now is that we can see Bitcoin is actually becoming a reserve asset. And we can say that qual- quantitatively, uh, we, uh, not qualitatively, but quantitatively, we can see that because what we can see is that um, each cycle, as Bitcoin continues to mature and get bigger and bigger and bigger, the floor and the ceiling in Bitcoin have been uh, have been held for the long term, one plus year. So Bitcoin that's being held for at least one year and not moving is getting more and more and more. So we saw, you know, before uh, Bitcoin, a lot of people were coming in and buying Bitcoin, they were being trading it, right? So they're, they're new people, they've just come in, maybe this was you, you just came into Bitcoin, you're buying it, you're selling it, you buy Bitcoin, you sell it, you buy Ethereum, you sell Ethereum, you buy uh, Cardano, you sell Cardano, you buy XYZ token, etc. And you're buying, you're trading, blah, 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 blah. But now what we're seeing is Bitcoin that's been sitting for at least one year. That's a holder. We call that a hodler. They're holding it. They're hodling it for what? Well, that's their reserve. It's their savings. They're, they're, they're saving it for the long term. And what we can see is that the amount of Bitcoins held for at least one year has only increased. It's getting higher and higher and higher. And so that is super bullish, super, super bullish. Um, and we can also see at these levels where we're at um, in this 20,000 range, um, it's providing a base or support. So what we can see is that uh, investors love their ability to accumulate at this cost basis. I've talked about this many times before. Um, at this price point, in this you know $20,000 price point, it's, a, it's, it's under levels that would tell us it's cheap. Now, we don't know. Nobody knows. We'll never know a bottom or a top. So a lot of people, is it the bottom? We don't know until we're looking backwards and we can confirm where that bottom is. What we can tell is when things are cheap or when things are expensive. Now, just because it's cheap doesn't mean that it can't get more cheap. It can, but it's cheap right now. Anytime it's been under this level, it's gone on to be a historic buying opportunity. The last two times we've seen Bitcoin get to this level, we've seen it rally 1600% and 400% off of that. And that's where it's at. It's been trading for about five months 
in this range where it's at right now. And anytime it dips below this 20,000 level, it just gets bought up really, really, really fast. And even as it's getting hammered by the Fed, Jerome Powell coming out and saying, we're going to break the markets. We'd rather break it and fix it later. Stocks are dropping and Bitcoin is holding on extremely, extremely bearish. And if, uh, I'm sorry, bullish. And of course, it's bullish because not only do we have that support, but we have all of this data. Like I said, we can see that the hodlers are gaining steam. We saw this week Fidelity, one of the largest asset managers in the world, and they've been um, very pro-Bitcoin for a long time, pro-cryptocurrency. And they opened up this week a waiting list for their retail crypto products. So Fidelity's been in Bitcoin for a long time. They've been mining Bitcoin, I want to say since 2015, 2016 maybe, for a long time. Um, then they opened it up for their institutional clients. And now finally they're opening it. Well, they've opened up a waiting list for retail crypto product. It says that uh, according to Fidelity's website, the new product will offer commission-free Bitcoin and Ethereum trading, although it notes that a spread of up to 1% will be charged. So um, commission-free Bitcoin and Ether trading. So there's all types of exchanges where you can go trade your cryptocurrencies, which by the way, I don't recommend. Um, I spent years and years and years trading it, running trading groups. And, uh, unfortunately most people just lose their money. And even if you don't lose your money, you could probably spend that time somewhere better off, but it's expensive. Every single time you make a trade, it costs you money, which is why there's all these exchanges that make all this money. Because every time you trade, whether you win or lose, they make money. <clears throat> and so Fidelity, according to them on their website, their new product will offer commission free Bitcoin and Ethereum trading, which is a pretty big deal. <clears throat> you have to understand, like I said, that they're already one of the largest asset managers. People already have their money parked there. It says Fidelity's move to target the retail market follows a wider trend across crypto with banking giant Goldman Sachs eyeing a collaboration with retail-focused crypto exchange FTX. So Goldman Sachs, if you don't know, which, come on, you know, but if you don't know, Goldman Sachs is... I mean, they're they're the most connected bank out there. Them and BlackRock, right? They're kind of one in one with the government and the, and the and the Federal Reserve. And all of these banks are rushing to get in and create Bitcoin products. And this is one thing that makes me super bullish on the fact that I don't think the government, the United States, will try to make it illegal. The laws of the United States are typically made by lobbyists, and they're written by lobbyists, and they're, then they're given to lawmakers who then just sign their name at it. And the lobby, the lobbyists are made up of all different types of industry groups, obviously, depending on what they're trying to lobby. But the banking, or I should say the finance industry, is one of the lar largest lobby groups there is. And now we've seen Fidelity, Goldman Sachs, some of the largest financial institutions there are, bring on Bitcoin products. And in order for someone like a Goldman Sachs to bring on a Bitcoin product, they could spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars with partnerships and sponsorships and staff and compliance and regulatory and all these things. And so now we have all the financial institutions that have now moved into the Bitcoin space and they're going to just let the government make it illegal and they're just going to lose billions and billions of dollars. But remember, who makes the laws? Well, the lobby groups make the laws. So are they going to make laws making it illegal for them to use and make money in the businesses that they've developed? I think the chance of that is very slim. Now, it's possible. Everything is possible. 
but it's certainly not my base case. I think uh, the, the banks, the financial institutions will not be putting forward those bills. If those bills are put forward, they'll probably push back on those bills. We also have dozens of high-ranking senators and politicians um, that are pro-Bitcoin. And then we have potentially 25 million Americans that own it that also wouldn't be very happy and would certainly be fighting back and voting against that as well. So these are the things that make me bullish why we won't see um, you know, the government trying to make it illegal anytime soon. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing of course, as we look at through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, the technology being Bitcoin, decentralized technology. It's always technology that changes the world, and we can see it happening right now at a time when the U.S. dollar value of Bitcoin is still kind of down. It's holding on. It's showing signs of breaking out, and these are the reasons why. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution. We're running through some of the biggest news going around this week and uh, looking at it through that lens. Remember, politics, finance, and technology is always technology that changes the world, and we are seeing this right now. There's a big, 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 big story that's been um, dominating mainstream media for a while, Uh probably I think since April or May of 2022, but it all came to a head this week. And I am talking about the world's richest man, Elon Musk, taking over, I don't know, maybe one of the largest uh, social media platforms in the world, and that is Twitter. Of course, you know by now that Musk bought Twitter. He took uh, possession of it last Friday. And uh, there's a lot of information going around about that. Um, a lot of information that I think is wrong, uh, I think it's focusing on the wrong thing. And so um, what we see all over the place is it's a threat to our democracy. It's a threat to our democracy. He's going to let all these mean things be said online, blah, 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 blah. Now, why would people even say that in the first place? Well, they would say that because Twitter has been censoring people so harsh and so fast and so strong that um, now Musk said that he wants to allow freedom of speech. You know, that thing that we're guaranteed by our Constitution, the freedom of speech. Um, he wants to allow people to have free speech. And so instantly it's going to become a cesspool and a, a, a horror where people are going to say all these mean things. I mean, it's just insanity. And somehow that's going to be a threat to our democracy, which is even more insane uh, first of all, we don't have a democracy, just so you know that. We don't have a democracy. What we have is a republic. If you've uh, if you've said the Pledge of Allegiance in school, like I grew up saying, then you would know that when you put your hand over the heart and you said, and to the republic for which it stands. Remember that. When Benjamin Franklin walked out of, uh, what was it, uh, Shoot, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Uh, when After they signed the Declaration of Independence, they signed the Constitution, they walked out, and they said, hey, what happened? He said, well, congratulations, you have a republic if you can keep it. We don't have a democracy, we have a republic. But what is a democracy anyway? And a democracy is rule of the people, of the common people, not of the elite, but of the common people. So there's no threat to our democracy. The, a threat to the democracy is not allowing the common people to be heard. That's a threat to the democracy. Remember, a democracy, if you look it up the definition, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now because I want to read it to you factually. So if we have it right here, uh, government by the people exercised either directly or through elected representatives. So the government by the people exercised through representatives. Uh, and it says, the common people considered as the primary source of political power. So the common people, you and I, we're common. We are supposed to have the power. It says, uh, 
the principles and policies of the Democratic Party. Oh, here. The common people, especially when constituting the source of political authority. So, so all political authority is supposed to come from the common people, from you and I. And in order for um, the political authority to come from you and I, then our voice has to be heard. And how, do our, how is our voice heard? Well, that's heard through free speech. If you're censoring half of the people in the world, that's not democracy. It says here, point number five, the absence of hereditary or arbitrary class distinctions or privileges. So this is not um, some arbitrary group that's defined of these elites, these elites that run these platforms, these elites that fact check us. No, it's the common people. And just because you don't like the common people, it says here, the common people as, of a community as distinguished, so different, from any privileged class. So just because you don't like what they have to say, it doesn't matter. It's that the democracy would be having hurt. Now, again, we're in a republic, not a democracy. But the fact that Elon Musk wants to allow us to have free speech, we're in a democracy, is, is, is a complete uh, scam. Anyway, that's not the point of what I'm talking about. The point I'm talking about is that, well, it sort of is, right? It's the It's the convergence of politics, finance, and technology. And so politically, this is a very charged topic, politically. Um, it's charged in the finance because obviously it's a $44 billion deal, publicly traded company, richest man in the world, very big deal. But also technology. And, and that's the point that I want to get to, the real story here. I broke this on my YouTube channel. You can check out my YouTube channel. Just search Mark Moss on YouTube. And I really went deep into the research on this one, and, and we looked at what, why did Elon Musk really buy Twitter? And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You can go watch the video if you want. But you have to understand um, what Elon Musk said, why he, he said why he's buying it. He said he's doing it for humanity. But you also have to look at where he got his start, and he got his start at PayPal. And I believe that was in 1998. In 1999, his uh, partner, uh, co-founder, Peter Thiel, um, put out a video, which I used in my YouTube video, where he said that, um, hey, we see that uh, the rise of internet-enabled phones is going to grow really rapidly, and we think that these internet-enabled phones will allow people to move money, and they'll be able to move money, and they won't need the government or the banks to do it. And the government and the banks, like China, he called out, will lose their power. The only way they could stop it would be to shut down the internet and the mobile phone networks altogether. This was Peter Thiel, PayPal co-founder, back in 1999 making this statement. And today, that's exactly where we're at. Um, smartphones or internet-enabled phones are basically at full adoption. They're almost 90% adoption throughout the world. And we have them, exactly what he said. The problem is they started PayPal to change the financial system, but they weren't able to do it. And Elon Musk obviously sold out on PayPal, as did Peter Thiel. Also, PayPal, uh, also Elon Musk and Peter Thiel originally wanted to call it X. And Peter, uh, sorry, uh, Musk owned a domain name, um, X. And in 2017, he bought that domain name back from PayPal. We don't know how much, maybe six or eight million dollars or so. Um, and he bought that name back X. Now, when he started talking about buying Twitter in May of 2022, he made a pitch to the investors, to the board, saying that he had an idea to bring a new product to Twitter called X that he thinks 
could bring in hundreds of millions of users and create billions of dollars of value. Now, what is that X? Well, my theory, uh, my research shows is that he started PayPal to change the financial system, to change the way payments are done because he cares about humanity. They weren't able to do it with PayPal and they left PayPal. He went back and bought the X domain name back for them, probably with some hope of reviving it at some point to get back to his original mission, which as he said, he bought twi Twitter for humanity. Maybe he got back to his original vision to help humanity through payments. And now it looks like he's assembled some of the original PayPal founders, better known as the PayPal Mafia, to come back on the board. He's also partnered with CZ. He's the founder of Binance, which is a, one of the largest, if not the largest, cryptocurrency trading platforms out there. And it looks like the project that he pitched to the Twitter investors and shareholders, X, is coming back. And this time it will have payments built into the Twitter platform, which could potentially free us from the banking institutions that hold us hostage over money. It looks like that's what's happening. Um, I'm connecting the dots. Again, if you want to go watch that video, go search Mark Moss on YouTube. You can see that. If you're not following me on social media, you should check me out on social media as well. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at one Mark Moss. That's just the number one Mark Moss. I also put out a tweet thread on this as well. So if you want to keep up on the play to play day by day, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at one Mark Moss. Um, check me out on YouTube at Mark Moss. You can see the whole video breaking this down. I have all the, the graphs, the charts, the headlines. I, I call them the receipts. And of course, I break down some of this to you as well. You're listening to the Mark Moss show. We break down the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. And that's what I got for you today. Thanks so much for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.